how do we have different conversations going forward? How do we start changing the conversation a bit? How do we start digging a little deeper? How do we start changing the language we use or approach we take? I think one way that we can do it is to create opportunities for dialogue in more intimate settings rather than, you know, one big annual event. Maybe we do smaller events. Maybe we invite more people to the podcast. Bigger conversations here. The workforce landscape is rapidly changing, and educators and their institutions need to keep up. Preparing students before they enter the workforce to make our communities and businesses stronger is at the core of getting an education. But we need to understand how to change and adjust so that we can begin to project where things are headed before we even get there. So how do we begin to predict the future? Hi, I'm Salvatrice Kumo, Vice President of Economic and Workforce Development at Pasadena City College and host of this podcast. And I'm Christina Barsi, producer and co-host of this podcast. And we are starting the conversation about the future of work. We'll explore topics like how education can partner with industry, how to be more equitable, and how to attain one of our highest goals, more internships and PCC students in the workforce. We at Pasadena City College want to lead the charge in closing the gap between what our students are learning and what the demands of the workforce will be once they enter. This is a conversation that impacts all of us. You, the employers, the policymakers, the educational institutions, and the community as a whole. We believe change happens when we work together. And it all starts with having a conversation. I'm Christina Barsi. And I'm Salvatrice Kumo. And this is The Future of Work. Welcome back. This is Salvatrice Kumo, your host, and I'm joined today by my friend and colleague here at EWD, Ms. Leslie Thompson. Leslie, how are you? I'm great. How are you today? Very good. Very good. I just want to remind our listener that Leslie spearheads our operations here at EWD. She's a director of operations and really oversees a lot of the newer initiatives and newer build-outs of verticals under economic and workforce development and sees that we are truly in front of some of the emerging trends and conversations and, and all that good stuff. So with that, Leslie, this is our first episode for 2024. We learned a lot in 2023, and I thought that now would be a really good time for us to do a quick mini reflection and really set the tone for the rest of the year and what we anticipate that to look like. That sounds great. And I can't believe it's 2024 already. We did learn a lot of things last year, wrapping up with our big event in October, the Future of Work Conference. And we had some good learning there and some good opportunities to reflect there. And I think now is a good time for us to kind of explore what's next for us with the Future of Work Initiative. That's right. So I want to ask you first, because I have my response, but I want to ask you, based on the activities, the conversations, the programming that we implemented, some of the newer programs that we are overseeing, like the California Apprenticeship Initiatives and those funds and management of programs, what was kind of like an overarching recap theme for you for 2023? For me, what I notice a lot of is either we're jumping in just in time or we're trying to catch up or on those rare instances when we're ahead of the curve. Like those are the things that I always try to look for. With the California Apprenticeship Initiative, I feel like we're just in time. I feel like everyone's starting to talk about apprenticeships. It's nothing new, but everyone's talking about apprenticeships and the need to increase those efforts across the state. The chancellor's office is making it you know, a priority with these 
planning grants, and then there's going to be the implementation grants, which we're going to go for. PCC got five of those grants, and what we're looking in EWD to do this year is to create an apprenticeship hub. We don't do the programming. We're not doing the programming. That falls under instruction, and we have some really great partners across campus for that work. But in terms of managing these grant funds and overseeing the administrative tasks related to implementation and all the things, just kind of clearing a path for faculty to do what they need to do to create these programs. That's what this apprenticeship hub will basically be about. So I'm really excited about that. And I think that my big takeaway from last year was it's time and I'm excited about it. Yeah. So for me, when I look at the annual report that we Mm -hmm. put out, and I look at the successes. I do want to toot our own heart. You know, we did really great things and we measure. We measure everything that we do, which is important. It's important for a number of reasons. It's important for accountability purposes for ourselves. It's important for to demonstrate the work, et cetera. But what it shared with me specifically, not only through the report, through our programming and some of the verticals, is that we pay a high concentration on the preparation and the development of the workforce, right? So we spend a lot of time there. The last few years has been around making sure that we are connected with industry. So the industry influences our program and curriculum. We pay high concentration on career development, career exploration, career preparedness, workforce readiness for the incoming workforce, we spend a lot of time there. We spend a lot of time, I think, on the talent side and the development of the talent side, which is important, right? It's, it's important sure. work. Sure. But we didn't spend, and not because we didn't want to, but simply because that's the need that has been the need thus far. But I feel like now is a time for us to flip that a little bit and focus our attention on just as we prepare the new workforce going into the workforce, right? (laughs) We prepare the new talent going into the workforce, but we start preparing the workplace Mm -hmm. for the new talent Mm -hmm. and how our organizations and employers, companies, et cetera, whatever you want to say it, how are they preparing themselves for this next generation of workforce? And how are they playing a role in the further development of their existing workforce? I think that there's a moment for us to delve deep into that for a number of different reasons that we talked about before, about employee benefits, employee rates, the environments that they work in. You and I spoke not too long ago about our unemployment rates are really, really low right now, right? It's a Mm -hmm. good thing. But we're also hearing we can't fill jobs, right? Like we're hearing those two things. Well, why? I think there's a, a number of factors for that, but you know, mm-hmm. one of the other things that we hear aside from, you know, we can't fill it is that well, people don't want to work. Well, they don't want to work your hours. They don't want to work in the office every week. They don't want to work for your pay. They don't want to mm-hmm. sacrifice their personal lives anymore for just any job. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about preparing the workplace, I think we're on the right track when we think about kind of, you know, flipping some of our attention to obviously we're gonna pay attention and devote resources to student development. Because again, a reminder, EWD exists at the Pasadena City College campus. We serve students first and foremost. Developing those students is our job, right? That's right. But when we expand our scope, 
to employers, industry, workplace, whatever you want to call it. Primarily in the past, it's been about relationship building to you know get opportunities for students, to develop partnerships for all sorts of endeavors and initiatives. And we still need to continue doing that. But mm-hmm. if we switch it to like pay some attention to workplace, then we have to you know create opportunities to address those gaps in ways that frame it from the perspective of the worker, right? The person, the talent that we call, right? Mm-hmm. Why aren't they applying? Why aren't they staying? You know, what are those issues that are going on? Because we're trying to prepare students again for the workforce of tomorrow. Well, I mean, the workforce of today has changed quite a bit and we need to change too. The whole world has changed. And, you know, we keep hearing, you know, people talk about post-pandemic. We all got PTSD from the, you know, from the <laughs> pandemic, right? Uh-huh. But it's true. There's been a lot of changes in the world. Certainly reports that were run pre-pandemic, conversations that were had pre-pandemic, they're almost, I don't want to say irrelevant, but they're absolutely dated. What we experienced in that period of time was historical in terms of the upset it caused, the shifts, the changes in everything related to working and living. Because people were taken off the job. You were at home. Like once you learned that you could do what you do and you didn't have to put on shoes, forget it. Game changer, right? Massive game changer. I can do this in my jammies. I'm doing it in my jammies, right? Like that's a big deal. And that shifted a lot of people's minds. And I think that that's something we need to create space to discuss and address when we talk about when we're vetting for opportunities. You know, it's not just, I mean, working conditions in the sense that, you know, we obviously we're not interested in partnering with anybody who has substandard working conditions or in violation of Cal OSHA or anything like that. But beyond that, like, what are the real benefits of working for your company? You know, this work-life balance we hear about now. You know, we've always heard about it, but it's not until recently that people are, they mean it. Can they work from home? What kind of compensation are you offering? And that's why people aren't flocking to some of these jobs. So I think it's a good, good way to turn to kind of start creating spaces to have those conversations with employers and, and with actual employees too. That's right. I think that's the other part of it too, is we've listened to the voices of industry to help us in program formation and implementation. We've listened to the voices of our students and what they need in preparations to the workforce, but you hit on something. We haven't quite heard the voice of the existing employees, existing workforce out there. I think there's ways for us to explore that. And we can get into that in a minute. The initiatives we're proposing for the new year in terms of creating opportunities for conversation, addressing things that are important to employees, obviously, you know, like health and wellness, right? Being like a top priority for everyone. And again, to go back to this kind of life altering moment in history for us, people were dying. A lot of people were dying. And that puts a lot of things into perspective for people, right? Absolutely. Like, if this thing can happen and wipe out hundreds of people, like this was in our lifetime, this is a once in a lifetime thing, right? This is major. And right. We all know somebody, right, who didn't survive it, maybe. Right? A lot of us know somebody that didn't survive it. A lot of us know more than one person that didn't survive it. Right. Even if it's peripherally, they're in our network somehow. So almost nobody got away unscathed. That shifts things. Now all of a sudden my health is more important. Now all of a mm-hmm. sudden I'm not going to kill myself for the job. We're of the generation where you leave it all on the field, right? We go out, we play full out, we leave it all on the field. We call in when we're, you know calling dead, but not anymore. <laughs> People aren't doing that right. anymore. Now they're like, no, I'm not, I'm not, I got to have a little left for me. I think that's important. 
For sure. And I will also suspect that what we'll hear in talking with the existing workforce and really sharing their perspective and light on many different variables surrounding the workplace and the industry and the needs is this personal alignment, this alignment with what they do with who they are. Mm -hmm. We have been conditioned and trained that what we do is not exactly who we are. I've said it a thousand times. Well, this is what I do and I'm really great at it, but it's not exactly who I am. But the more I say that, the more it becomes a little blurred for me because I do have a personal interest in this work. I do mm. put my heart and soul in the work. And so as much as we've been conditioned to say, this is what you do, it's not who you are. I think the incoming as well as the existing workforce is saying no more. Like there needs to be a synergy between what we do and who we are. And the workplace is going to create that nexus for us. You know, just to underscore what you said, it's like, well, there's possibilities, there's options. And so why would I choose one over the other? Well, I'll choose one over the other because it aligns with me personally. You can't overstate the importance of values alignment. I mean, we have that conversation here all the time. Like, why does this Mm -hmm. matter? Why does it matter? Like, if it's just about a paycheck, you're not going to give it your all. You're not. You're going to do the bare minimum, do the job, get paid. Mm -hmm. There has to be a values alignment, particularly because, you know, there are some sacrifices we make. We have to make them. I think it's great to have this kind of wish list for what our ideal job or career is going to look like. And we're going to get all these things from it. But the reality is working full time at this level requires a personal sacrifice and a commitment at some level, Mm -hmm. at some point, to some degree. Right. So you have to make sure that what you're making that sacrifice for aligns with your personal values. Yes, you want it to be like what I am, not what I do. But that's the first thing when you meet somebody. What do you do? Not who are you. What do you do? Right. Right? You know what I also want to explore more of? It came up in a conversation, in a past episode conversation I had with Dennis Rodriguez from Black and Beach Corporation. Mm -hmm. He mentioned that every employee is an owner, has a stake in the business. And I thought to myself, well, every employee is part owner of this hundred year old organization. And he underscored the commitment that the employees have to the company because it aligns with their passion and what they like and what they want to do, but they also have an investment in it. And so there's a level of care. There's just a different level of interest in the direction of the company and the vitality and the the health of the company, along with the health and vitality of the employees. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder, like in the next year, if we create platforms in which we start to uncover a few things, right? We uncover or we discover, I should say, we discover the voice of the existing workforce, right? And talk about variables that are affecting either their growth or their satisfaction or their excitement about the work that they do and how they're doing that integration of what they do and who they are, but also really discovering different models, different business models that companies adopted or shifted to or evolved to because of the mind shift of the workforce. Mm -hmm. And so for all the reasons that you just mentioned about 
the pandemic allowing us to re-examine, you know, how we conduct business. Those are two really big things, like massive yeah. things, Leslie, <laughs> right? I'm going to get right on those. <laughs> For sure. So what would be the best way you think? Like, let's explore what is possible for us to do some mm-hmm. more discovery around that. Look, we talked about this a couple of episodes ago or a few episodes ago where we said it's kind of like this teeter-totter with the relationship with the employers because employers are an asset to this work. They are instrumental in the development of the new workforce. But we also have to be really honest about how they show up, right? Mm-hmm. And all the things that we just talked about in the workplace. How do we do that effectively, you think? Like, what would be the best approach? Well, I think to revisit a conversation we had recently about opportunities for discussion, right? You know, the conference is great. The one we just had, on it was our fifth annual Mm -hmm. conference. And it was great. And we had great speakers and we had great panels and we had a lot of, you know, rigorous discussion. But it's once a year. That was our signature event. So the first five years of EWD here at PCC, you know, we were focused on building this future of work initiative and it culminated every year in an annual signature event. That was our big thing. And then we, you know, we have obviously the podcast, we have the Pulse newsletter, we have all these channels for communication and we spent, you know, time establishing PCCEWD as thought leaders in the space. And now we're talking about, you know, how do we have different conversations going forward? How do we start changing the conversation a bit? How do we start digging a little deeper? How do we start changing the language we use or changing the approach Mm -hmm. we take? So I think one way that we can do it is to create opportunities for dialogue in more intimate settings rather than, you know, one big annual event. Maybe we do smaller events. Maybe we invite more people to the podcast, bigger conversations here, Mm -hmm. involving more voices here. Lots of ways that we can explore how we can kind of capture those conversations in person. They don't even all have to be in person because what are we learning? People like virtual mm-hmm. stuff. They like to not meet in person. I don't know what to tell you, <laughs> but it is what it is. You know, again, once you learn that you don't have to sit in a room full of people, <laughs> why would you want to uh, or travel or, you know, waste your gas? Or, I mean, there's a game changer. So there's lots of opportunities we could create. I think there's different modalities, right? There's different modalities to yeah. having these conversations as well as coming up with some significant solutions to the work. The last few years we've had, to your point, because of the conference, like we've had a ton of discoveries and partnerships that we built that helped us solve some of the very important issues and opportunities here, not only within our division, but at the college and stellar partners, stellar, stellar partners. Well, how do we amplify that with our two focuses for the year while expanding our reach and being accessible. And there's other platforms. I think it'd be really kind of neat to your point for 2024, for us to test a different modality to the dialogues that we create through the future of work conference as part of the massive initiative, right? Like the conference is one element, as you mentioned, is one element of the initiative itself what are we trying to solve here? We're trying to solve reach. We're trying to solve accessibility. And then we're also trying to create safe spaces, especially if we're going to really be amplifying the voice of the existing workforce and the voice of the workplace, safe spaces to be honest and transparent so that we can 
be not only better partners to industry, but also be a solution for them in other ways and other capacities that we may not have thought of. And that's good. And it's a good start. What do you think? I think it's a great start as we move through this semester and we move through Mm -hmm. implementing on our strategic plan for EWD, we can identify those opportunities. And I think that the key to creating safe space is kind of this Mm -hmm. intellectual intimacy. Like we create small opportunities, right? Where people can talk and feel safe and feel heard and it's just conversation. And that's what's good about the podcast. That's what's good about, mm-hmm. you know, all the one-on-one conversations we have out in the world, creating smaller opportunities. And I, and I hate to use the term like industry roundtables. We did that mm-hmm. initially we, and we do still do that stuff. But industry roundtable to me just sounds, <laughs> it doesn't sound like fun. You know, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't. If you want to, you know, get together and maybe we think of a different term, but essentially where we gather a small group of people and have meaningful dialogue and have facilitated discussions around important topics, then we don't have to wait to once a year conference to tackle large theme, mm-hmm. you know, concepts and hope that, you know, as many people show up as possible or people will down, you know, watch the video or tune in on LinkedIn, you know, all these opportunities to engage with the conference. If you don't come in person, I would like to see us create mm-hmm. those opportunities on a smaller scale, but more frequently. I think they would create more impact, right? Because what do our results say, our surveys say after each conference? Mm-hmm. You know, we do get a lot of accolades, but we also get, we need more. Mm-hmm. We just need more. Yeah. I think there's definitely a value. We, the feedback is overwhelmingly positive, For I'm sure. going to say. And also, you know, that they find value in the content. They learn something. Obviously, there's a, a need for it because we get attendees, right? And we do get people tuning in and we do get feedback and we do get participants, you know. But from the time we start planning the conference early in the year to when we actually deliver on the conference in October, November, this year was October, in the past it's been in November, by the time we get to that, our agenda, our direction, our purpose has had iterations and has evolved so much based on availability of speakers and panelists, based on emerging trends and needs. What that tells me is that there's a need to have these conversations more frequently, pivot in the moment. And keep having up-to-date conversations instead of, you know, spinning our wheels throughout the year, trying to keep up with all the things that are going on. We always start with this great, we're going to talk about this this year. And very rarely does what we start with, this big idea that we have, (laughs) end up what we actually deliver on for lots of variables. There's lots of variables, lots of reasons, right? So I think it would be kind of cool just to be able to have these big ideas and start having conversations as we go. I think so too. I think so too. And I think the only way to do it is just to try it and see what happens. Yeah, I and agree. see what happens. I agree. These gatherings, I think, solve a huge need of, there's a connecting piece, but there's also the piece of, we don't know what we don't know unless we ask questions. So what ends up happening, what always happens in any conversation that we have with either industry or students or our colleagues is it's like, oh, well, you just shed light on something that I hadn't quite thought about. Let's do more. Let's figure it out. And so that's when like this coalition of the willing, the wanting of workforce comes into play. And it's like, okay, well, great. Now we have another interested individual (laughs) who wants to do this work with us. It makes for more impact. And I think in our work, and I think that you're right. I think this smaller boutique conversations, smaller in that size, as far as the size of modalities, or we're not doing these huge conferences, 
but rather to your point, more frequent and more accessible. So maybe figuring out a platform that's going to help us with that. So Mm -hmm. more to come, I'm sure, but I'm really looking forward to this year and seeing what transpires from some of these boutique conversations. Yeah. I think it's important. I think it's safe to say that the future of work initiative is evolving. We're not just concerned with the future of work. We're concerned with what's happening right now too. And in order to remain, you know, relevant and kind of in touch and true to our original goal of being thought leaders in that space, we have to acknowledge Mm -hmm. that, you know, we need to pivot more quickly. We need to be more responsive. We need to address the topics that, you know, whatever those may be, we need to reevaluate the language we use, you know, and, you know, we've talked in the past about it being, you know, the language that we use in this work is maybe problematic. The Mm -hmm. emphasis on, you know, people, not calling people people, but calling them talent or pipeline or workforce or anything but people like that might be problematic depending on how you look at it. If that's That's something you're interested in exploring, I'm interested in exploring that, but we've had the conversation already, but that's where my values align with the work I do. I don't know about you. You tell me. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. I think that's a great way to kind of sunset this conversation is that we are in a beautiful position to explore more and discover more. And it's going to require us to pivot our approach. And you're right. We can't just talk about future. We have to talk about now and we have to adjust now so that we can best prepare for future. So Leslie, thank you very much. We've got a lot of work ahead of us. Every year it's the same thing. It's like we got a lot of work to do. And we do constantly have a lot of work. We get a lot of stuff done. Absolutely. It doesn't always end up being what we expect it to be. And this conversation is a, it's just a conversation. What we actually end up delivering might be different than what we talk about here today because it's going to change as we go. I think it's important to know that there are changes on the horizon and stay tuned for that. And also call to action for the listener. We like to hear feedback. We like to hear from folks. So if you have an idea for a topic or something you'd like to see explored in a different way, either on the podcast or if you'd like to see it written about in the newsletter or you'd like a convening related to a particular topic or or there's somebody you think we should be talking to, reach out. Let us know. We'd love to hear about it. Well, thank you, Leslie. Thank you so much. I'll catch you on the other side of this podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Future of Work podcast. Make sure you're subscribed on your favorite listening platform so you can easily get new episodes every Tuesday. You can reach out to us by clicking on the website link below in the show notes to collaborate, partner, or just chat about all things Future of Work. We'd love to connect with you. All of us here at the Future of Work and Pasadena City College wish you safety and wellness.